Welcome to the special podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's speaker is Claire Daniels. Hey, this is so amazing to have so many people here. And um, I feel a bit kind of... Uh, I feel like I've been living this and breathing this for the last year. Um, and Joyce has had to live it with me for the last year. And I feel a bit overawed today, really. I feel a bit kind of, Jesus, this is actually going to happen. Um, and I've I thought about, I've got so much stuff, and I've thought about what I need to say, what I need to share. And I've done one thing, and then I've done another thing. So in the end, I've just come back to... I'm just going to share my heart, which means that there won't be lots of detail, but we're going to have an opportunity to talk together about detail. Don't be too frustrated if I'm not talking about nuts and bolts and nitty gritty. I just, I've had so much, I just, I just feel like I just need to share my heart today. So I hope that's okay. Um, And we'll see where we go. I just want to pray. Jesus, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the journey that you are taking us on. Father, the journey you're taking us on in this body and the journey that you're taking us on right across Scarborough. Father, I thank you that you are raising up a people that will will pray, not just once or twice a week. You're raising up a people who are going to seek your face, who are going to humble themselves and seek your face and will see a region turned, we'll see a nation turned, we'll see the nations turned. Father, I thank you that you are, you are doing something fresh in us, you're doing something new. And Father, I just come today and say, Jesus, I can't, I can't do this. And I just feel, I feel really overwhelmed and really just, yeah, everything I've got, Father, is so inadequate without your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd come. Lord, I pray you'd help me to communicate and you'd help us to hear your voice. Father, anything that is just of us would just drop to the ground. And Father, all that is of your spirit would just, yeah, penetrate through, Lord Jesus. Because we want your will to be done. Father, we want to see... We want to see a transforma- transformation in this town. We want to see transformation in this nation. We want to see transformation in the nations. And Father, I thank you that you're inviting us into something today. And Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill this place and just speak what you need to speak and what you want to speak and envision us in the way that you want to envision us this afternoon, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. One of the things I was going to do was just to share something of the journey that I've been on personally. <coughs> but it will take so long that I'm not really going to do that. So I'll just give, if you want to know, and I've had conversations with many of you at different times. So probably everybody in this room knows bits. Um, I'm always happy to share it. But for me, this has been birthed in me probably 24 years ago something like that was when it was something that God first started speaking to me about and then various things happened Um, but then when we came up here and when I 
was asked to be music director, the first thing that was on my, we had to write a dare to dream report before we started and say where we saw things going. The first thing on that was to see 24-7 prayer and worship established in Scarborough. And it was my first thing then, and it's been my first thing ever since. And, and so for me, it's been nine years of saying, God, I can't see how this will happen. Uh, this has been my heart and my vision, but I've no idea. And then, of course, when we moved to the summit and we had somewhere to pray, it's been shown as heart and passion to have somewhere that we can pray. And it's been this, particularly the last year, it's just been this incredible journey of God saying, I'm going to rebirth this and I'm going to start doing something. And it really has been the last year that God has taken me from this is impossible to do it anyway. And here we are. And it's been, the challenge for me is that God is, is saying, go beyond, go beyond. What can you see? Now go beyond. What can you see? Now go beyond, go beyond. And it's been like that constantly for the last year. And what I thought I could see, and I was like, no, God's saying more. <laughs> Jesus, really? why me why me um but it's not just it's not just me and it's not just about me we've done the we've come to this place together and you know it's been i think you know it's been journey for all of us to get to this place of prayer hasn't it and shona has all of this that we're talking about say comes under the leadership of uh, of shona's prayer director and it's really that foundation that's been built by through by Shona and through that the group that meet and the intercessors group that we're able it's kind of like I kind of saw it that you know built this really solid platform that we can all start to build into and establish now and Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says the revelation she says I remember the revelation awaits the appointed time and so a few people have said why now why you know why now why not four years ago why not 10 years ago why not next year why now and I believe well Habakkuk 2 was one of the scriptures that was given to me at IHOP as one of the scriptures for us and I believe that now is the appointed time and the reason that I believe that is because God has been taking us on this journey since 2017, really, of Days of Favour 2017, when he started to say to us, this is how to pray, and you're going to pray with shameless audacity, and he started to train us to pray. And it takes time. It's not that he starts to speak something. And for some of you, you'd been doing that. Some of you have been meeting, and you've been praying in that way. And for some of you, it's been a case of, come on, everybody, catch up with where we're at. I know that. But God takes us together. We go up the mountain together. We don't go with a few people going on ahead. That's not what he's called us to do because we are a body. And he's speaking to us about community all the time, about being body all the time. So he has waited for us to get to a place. And he's grown us over this last year of praying together, of training us in prayers, last 18 months really, and, and saying, what are you going to do? And how are you going to seek me? And even this morning, you know, Pastor Paul was talking about seeking him more and pushing into him more. 
And I know that that is the heart of everybody here because you wouldn't still, you wouldn't be here, you'd be going home and having your lunch. And I know that's everybody's heart here. And so many people have said to me, and so many people have said to Shona at different times, you know, we need to be doing more, we need to be praying more. But God, in his grace, he waits for us to get to a place where we can all go up the mountain together. And I believe that's where we are. And that's why I believe that this is the appointed time. And it's taken that time to get to that place. I think in, as looking at this, I, I feel very, very passionately about this. So I just want to make it really, really clear that as we're talking today... We're emphasising prayer. We're emphasising how important it is. We're emphasising how important the continuous nature of prayer is. But what we're not doing is we're saying prayer is more important than the works that we do and the things that God asks us to do in obedience and service. It's just that that is the emphasis right now. So I don't want anyone to hear what I'm not saying. It's, you know, as those of you that were here when I spoke after I came back from America, out there... You know, they're, they're ancestry ministries, they ministers, they have to pray 24 hours a week in the prayer room and they have to work 24 hours or 25 hours a week. They have to do the same amount of prayer and work. Um, the two things have to go together. But God calls some people into a place of that prayer as a priority and as a main thing and he calls other people into a place of service as a main thing and what we want to do is we want to bring it all together and I think it's really interesting over the last year that God's been speaking to us about being a missional community because the two things God's been speaking the two things at the same time be a missional community be a praying community be a missional community be a praying community so we go up the mountain together but we go up the mountain together with both of these things intact and that gives us a strength and he's not just speaking this for us he's speaking to to different churches and different places in Scarborough. So we're going up as a body together. We just happen to be, at the moment, this is our focus for right now. Um, Lou Engel said something really interesting, and I think this is quite pertinent to us. And you may feel, you know, those of you that meet on a Wednesday morning, you might, might just go, yes, that's what we've been trying to do. But he said, it's not enough to simply have breakthrough prayer meetings we must sustain what we gain spiritually with continuous intercession and worship. It's not enough to simply have breakthrough prayer meetings. And we're good at breakthrough prayer meetings. We are good at those. And we're going to keep having them. And we're going to have more of them. Yeah. And we're going to see the breakthrough. But a breakthrough prayer meeting gets the victory, but it's not always getting the victory that's the problem. Sustaining the victory yeah. and establishing yeah. it and getting it right. your feet under the table and saying... This is now the next platform and making that victory the platform that we stand on and then making another one that is the platform that we stand on. That's what we've got to do, not just get the breakthrough and then look for the next breakthrough. And, but that comes through. It doesn't come through a prayer meeting or a couple of prayer meetings or a few faithful people that go home and say, God, we've got to sustain this. That is probably what God has been doing so far. There are those of you here, I know, that have sought God and you have been the ones that have enabled us to keep building. But God is calling us to see so much more happen yeah, in Scarborough that it needs so many more of us to be doing that sustaining prayer so that those platforms can be built on and stood on and established and we can build and we can build and we can build faster. Yeah. Yeah. The more we pray, 
faster we will grow and we will build. It is, there is no move of God that has happened without a, a great prayer movement that has happened before. There just isn't. We just will not see what we want to see unless we pray in a way that is different and is, it, is, it, it is what we do. But there's something more if we want to see God do something. I don't know if anybody's um, seen seen this. So you may have had, you may have seen it on on the internet. I don't know. Um, it came through to me. It was a very very long email, so I'm not going to read it. But there's a church in Orlando. There's a bit of a revival happening in Orlando at the moment, and they grew in three years from 15 people to a thousand. And in the last 18 months, they've seen 200 verifiable miracles not not sort of bad backs and things like that things like lupus and cancer things that they've got doctors they've, they've got physical evidence of and um i just want to read it's it's more powerful when you read it than try to explain it but they started in 2011 and 15 of them for three and a half years all we did was build community and pray every day for the city of orlando we laid out a map of the city, we let our tears hit it, we laid our hands on it, we prayed for a move of God in the city, and that from this city there'd be a move of God that permeates the earth. Didn't grow, three and a half years, they didn't grow, they stayed at 15. He said he could, you know, he could have done events to attract a crowd, but that's not what he wanted to do. When they moved into a church three years ago, 2015, it was still the same 15 people that first week. They grew to a thousand in in a, in three years and he says people often see revival as an event but it's something that happens on the inside of the believer and while there's nothing we can do to trigger revival we can posture ourselves to be vessels for the spirit and these nine things he says god revealed nine postures to the church and when i read these i just thought out of these nine seven of them are what we want to see happen here and what we can do within this prayer room waiting desperation crying prayer worship deliberate action faith (coughs) obedience and repentance and adopting these postures doesn't guarantee revival but it does position believers to encounter god we're not going to accidentally enter into revival We'll see it when we're willing to assume the posture that says, I want you and you alone, and I won't stop praying, I won't stop crying, I won't stop worshipping until you come, and then I'll keep on worshipping, I'll keep on crying, because I'm desperate. And when that's our posture, God will respond. And he wants to bring us into a place where he's posturing us in a different way to how we have been postured. Some of those things, some of you will be saying, that's what I've been like. That is what I've been doing. Great. So God's going to bring the whole body into this place or enough of the body that creates it's that kind of momentum, isn't it? And tipping points. And you just need enough people that say we're going this way. And then actually everybody else starts to to follow on. It just needs that whatever the word is, because I've totally forgotten what the word is. It's not tipping point. But when you've got enough people, come on. Catalyst momentum, no. Yeah. Some, when you come up with it, it doesn't matter what I'm saying, just shout it out. We'll all think that it's a kind of amen type word, but I'll know that that's the word. So 
it's about that continuous thing. And for me, there's a dual... There's a dual purpose, and this is really, I guess, what I want to share, just a few scriptures. Um, a dual purpose to establishing this prayer room, or dual purpose in what we need to be doing. And the first one is we minister to Jesus. That's it. We minister to Jesus, that this is a place where we minister to him, where we love him, not for what he can do, not for our blessing, but because he is worthy of it. And in Ezekiel, some of you may know this passage, some of you may not. Ezekiel 44. There's just these amazing people who were the sons of Zadok. And the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, continued to minister faithfully in the temple when Israel abandoned me for idols. These men will serve as my ministers. They will stand in my presence and offer the fat and blood of the sacrifices, says the Sovereign Lord. They alone will enter my sanctuary and approach my table to serve me. They will fulfil all my requirements. The rest of Israel was off compromising, worshipping idols, and there was this little family of priests, these sons of Zadok, that said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay, and I'm going to stay in the temple, and I'm going to minister to God whatever and the result of that was that God set them apart and said you are going to be the ones that minister to me because I love what you've done I love that sacrifice I love the fact that while everybody else was saying I'm off doing this you said no I'm going to stay I'm going to stay I'm going to keep the altar burning I'm going to keep the sacrifices going even if nobody comes even if no one's here and there's something just so wonderful about these sons of Zadok that just were willing to do that. And for us to be the people who will just minister to Jesus, just minister to him, because it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing, but we will come and we will just adore him and we'll just minister to him. A really key verse for me, personally, is Leviticus 6.12, which says, just the last bit of it, says, the fire on the, fire on the altar must be kept burning it must not go out and that instruction to Moses was never revoked God's never revoked that and it was the burnt offering that was placed on the sacrifice on the altar and the burnt offering was the one offering that nobody got anything out of the priest didn't get anything out of it the offerer didn't get anything out of it all you got out of the burnt offering was God's approval that was it everything else every other offering they could eat, there was, you know, there was something in it for them. But it's the burnt offering that goes on the altar and the fire was never to go out. It was to be burnt all night and in the morning they had to get another sacrifice ready. And for me, this is, a, this is such a key verse for me. It's just one of the ones that God has kept speaking to me over and over again. I have it on my wall now because God's spoken to me so much. Um, Joel came into my room and said, what's that? We don't have altars. Have you gone Catholic? <laughs> okay, we need to have a conversation. Um, no, really difficult to explain to a 15-year-old who isn't quite in the zone. Anyway, the living sacrifice of Romans 12.1 
is that burnt offering. It's that living sacrifice of our lives saying, God, if I get nothing back, and this is exactly what Pastor Paul was saying this morning, even if I get nothing back, I'm going to lay it on the altar and my life is going to be surrendered to you. My life is going to be yours and it's going to be continual. It's going to be night. It's going to be day. As soon as it's burnt up, I'm going to prepare another sacrifice because I felt the other night, I felt just trying to go to sleep. I don't know why God does this, but anyway. And I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, so many of my altars are empty. My altars are empty. And my heart just grieved the fact that, I was like, God, is my altar empty? Well, it, I was working through a process of surrender with him at the time. So um, I was like, God, I don't want your altars to be empty. I don't want the altar in my life to be empty because I, I, want, it, I want that living sacrifice to be on there. And... And I believe that there is a place of just coming and loving him and putting the sacrifice on the altar. And it might feel like we're doing nothing. It might feel like we're not achieving anything. But we are because there's so much pleasure in that. And it's like Mary of Bethany. You know, she sat at Jesus' feet. She wasted her time sitting at Jesus' feet. She wasted she, the, the alabaster jar. She lost her entire financial security for one moment of worshipping Jesus. She lost her entire future. She, was, she wasn't married. She had, that was, that alabaster jar, that perfume was her entire, that was her pension fund and her livelihood, that was everything. She didn't have, you know, in that time, they didn't have any backup plans. She laid it all and she wasted it at Jesus' feet. If we can be a people that will waste our time with Jesus in that way, there is... And it's not even there's great reward in it. There is great reward in it because our connection with God is so amazing. But there is so much. You know, Jesus said she will be remembered. She'll be remembered forever because he loves it. And I just want whatever we do, it is that our that he has the pleasure in us. If we can come and we can just love him and we can worship him, we can waste our time with him. If he enjoys that and there is pleasure in that, who are we to say? That wasn't good use of time. We need to change and shift some of our thinking in what is good use of our time, which is a massive challenge for me because most of you know me fairly well. So you know that I like to get things done and I like to achieve and I like to make sure I have ticked lots of boxes of things. And, and I like at least, at very least, I like to be able to write down what God said and lots of things. At least if I can fill a few pages in a journal, then you know it was good use of time. But if I'm just worshipping and I can't, oh my goodness, that's such a challenge to me. Um, others of you, I know, are just really happy with that and don't want to get any, the journal out and don't want to have to write anything. You're in a much better place than me in that. Um, but I know that's something. So that's the first thing that I believe that it's for. And you know, in a minute, there'll be an opportunity just to share. And you can comment, you can disagree, you can come back on this this isn't this isn't all me saying this is um how it is this is i'm just sharing my heart really and of course the second thing is obvious to intercede for people for towns and these things god's spoken to me for our town for our nation for the nations and for israel and God spoke to me very specifically about some of these things whilst I was away. I'm moving a long way from the microphone, so sorry, I just need... I'll move a bit closer there because I need my Bible. 
Luke 18, 7 is another really key verse. Um, it's quite a challenging verse. So, and it's about the unjust judge. So, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? I'm not going to speak about the last bit. Um, you can go and ask God yourself what that means. Um, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? It's a bit of a, when Jesus returns, is he going to find me with faith? But anyway, that's not, that's not the point. We can go off on a, a wonderful tangent there. Justice, he will grant justice. Justice is contingent on having a people who cry out to him day and night. So when we're not seeing the promises of God fulfilled in scripture, the first thing we have to do is we have to go back and say, is there anything we're not doing? It's a really helpful thing to do. Um, if we're not seeing a transformation, I know this feels really uncomfortable, but if we're not seeing a transformation in our town, if we're not seeing things change, we're not seeing what we want to see, is it because there's anything that we're not yet walking into? And I, I believe that there is a key here of justice comes as we cry out to him day and night. And God really challenged me about this day and night thing. I like sleeping a lot. Um, and for me, actually, my mental health is contingent on sleep. So it's an even bigger challenge for me. Uh, but I started, God, you know, talked to me about just looking at the scriptures around night and day prayer. I haven't got them all, but I've done a study of 31 of them. This isn't a kind of once-in-a-lifetime thing in the Bible. It doesn't appear once or twice. There are 31 significant scriptures, and then there's other bits and pieces about it. But God lays right through scripture that, that went for us to see the fullness of what he calls us into, that there is a night and day component to it that just is. And... I know, I, you know, I talk to different people who have said, you know, God wake, does wake them up in the night to pray. And that's because he wants us to be part of this. And I believe what he's doing today is he's not saying, this is my mandate for you. I believe he's saying, this is my invitation to you to step into this. Because what we need to understand is that nothing talking about today is new. Nothing talking about today is unique. I, I hop themselves have said just with their particular model and the people they're in contact with, they are struggling to document the number of um, houses of prayer and prayer rooms that are being established throughout the earth. And that's without all the other different networks and different, you know, that, you know, that there are. It's something that God is doing right through the earth. This is one of God's key strategies, particularly as we move towards kind of the end of the age. He's going to establish more and more night and day prayer, 24-7 prayer, because that's what it's going to take to see the glory of God. That's what it's going to take to see a people that can stand in those end times. That's what it's going to take to see revival that he's promising, um, to see the great things and to walk through the tough things. You know, like Pastor Paul said this morning, yes, we're going to believe for miracles. Yes, we're going to believe for healing. Yes, we're going to believe for salvation. Yes, we're going to believe for being a prisoner. You know, 
That's, that is the bottom line. Can we say with as much passion, I will walk through the tough stuff. I will walk through whatever comes against me with the same passion that I will walk through saying, God, I'm believing for this miracle. I'm believing for salvation. Um, I'd like to... Journey God's taken me on. I'd like to say that I'm there, but I really don't think I quite am. And I'm sure that's the same for many of us. But we need to be, don't we? Um, but I believe that's the invitation that God's given us today is step, come and step into part of my global movement of what I'm doing in the earth. Come and step into it because there's an amazing um, reward in it. There's an amazing, it's just amazing to be part of what God's doing right throughout the earth, isn't it? Um, God brought us in one of the God encounters near, not long before Christmas, Psalm 134, which I thought was quite... Um, I thought it was quite amusing at the time because we sung it a lot. I think we sung it over and over again. And I thought, oh, this would be interesting. Is God establishing something about praying at night? Um, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands towards sanctuary and praise the Lord. And, yeah, I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to throw it out there. Is it something that God is calling you to do it's not something god's going to call everybody to do but is it something that god's going to call you to start praying at night more um there's a real privilege in it isn't there when everybody has to sleep to be the ones that are are worshiping and looking at jesus and are praying and interceding there is something very special about that um she says i probably should stop talking about that because i'll end up talking myself right into um, right into something. Um, and Revelation 5 shows us that combination of worship and intercession. I think most of us know that scripture, don't we, of the harps and the, the golden bowls. And our prayers, uh, I believe one of the things God is doing is he's saying, you keep praying those prophetic prayers. Sometimes I, I had this quite long discussion with Joyce over this. She's my kind of... Um, when I need to externally process, I just talk at her until um, she says something wise and then I say a few more things and I go, oh, I've got it now, and then leave. Um, she's great for that. Um, that's how it works, isn't it, really? Um, and I like to pray strategic prayers. I like to pray specific prayers that are arrows that get to the point. If you've been in a prayer meeting that I've led, you know that. Um, what are we praying for? How are we doing it? What's the outcome that we want? And let's pray really specifically. And then looking, and then I was trying to reconcile that with listening to some other people praying and thinking, well, they're praying is right, but it's not what I'm thinking. And then when I looked at this again, I realized that there is that strategic praying that gets us answers now. But there is also the prophetic praying that fills up those golden bowls that in Revelation 8 shows us at the end of the age will be thrown down to earth and will be answered. Those prayers are being stored up. We're not going to see the answers to some of our prayers for quite a while. That's how it is. But the more we're filling up that golden bowl, the quicker we're going to see the answers to it because the quicker we get to the point where it's full and then it's thrown down to heaven. So every prayer that we pray, and I love that picture because I love it because the weakest prayer that we pray at our weakest moment, it might just be a tiny drop in that golden bowl, but we added to that golden bowl. And so it's giving that sense of real value to everybody that is praying, that real sense of value to what God is doing. Um, 
so it, yeah, for our town, for people, for our nation. But while, while I was away, God really spoke to me. Well, I've no idea what's going to happen now because I had a complete kind of oh God moment yesterday. Um, while I was away, God spoke to me two or three times through different people about praying for nations and praying for Israel. Two things I passionately believe in praying for, but do absolutely, well, I do very, very little of. And I know some of you are probably thinking, because I think this is probably part of my subconscious thinking, I don't even know how to pray for the small. I don't even know how to pray for Scarborough effectively. How can I pray for nations? How can I pray for another nation? How can I pray for the big when I haven't yet got hold of praying effectively for the small? I don't know, is my answer, because that's kind of how I feel. But God spoke two or three times about it. This girl that prophesied over me about building the tabernacle and the temple and house of prayer and stuff that hadn't met me and was kind of like, okay, God, here we go. Um, she met up with me and she gave me this world map and said, God's calling you to pray for nations. I'm like, really? Really? Okay. So, I then got myself a bigger one. And I've got a really big one on my wall. And it's opposite where I pray. And... And a big map of Israel. And I, I kind of look at them both. And I'm like, God, I don't know how to pray. I lay my hands on them. Pray for a few things. It all seems really inadequate, weak, meaningless. God, what can you do? You know, I'm looking at this nation. What can I pray that's going to actually make any difference? Because I'm that strategic person. I kind of think like that, which is really unhelpful sometimes, I think. Um, but for six weeks, I've been looking at this map both of these maps for six weeks I've just been it's been a bit easier to pray um, pray for Israel actually but looking at this map of the world I said God I know that because everything he spoke to me wasn't just for me and I said I know that you're calling us to pray for nations but we want to see Scarborough transformed and how can we if we spend our time praying for nations we're not spending time praying for Scarborough and but God started speaking to me about how, you know, it's still really important. For Israel, we know that's important. Genesis 12 tells us those that bless Israel will be blessed, those that curse will be cursed. And so therefore there is an innate blessing in praying for Israel. So we get something out of that. So, you know, that's a, as much as, you know, it's a good, we need to pray anyway. At least we know by doing that we're receiving blessing. But there isn't really a scriptural kind of thing about praying for nations. Um, but I stood in front of it yesterday and I was standing in front of it and looking at the countries and suddenly my heart completely broke and it's taken me six weeks of standing in front of it it's taken me six weeks of looking at it it's taken me six weeks of going God I have no idea how to pray and just looking at different countries and suddenly God did something in me yesterday that was oh this is how you feel about nations I still don't know how to pray, but there's something in me. And, you know, in Romans 8, it talks about the Holy Spirit prays through us yes. with groanings and etc. Mm -hmm. He wants to intercede. The Holy Spirit wants to intercede, but he needs people to intercede through. He needs a body. He needs a voice. And that's who we are. And so it's okay that we don't know how to pray because that's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going, yes, here I am. I'm ready to pray. I can pray for nations. I know what to pray. Uh, how about opening your mouth and letting me do it? Oh, that somehow seems so much easier, doesn't it? There I want my bullet points. When I went to IHOP, I believe God was going to give me a strategy. 
And I wanted 10 <coughs> bullet point strategy of I'm going to do 1 to 10 and then we're going to have this sorted. And God mm -hmm. gave me, through somebody, gave me seven or eight scriptures, one of which was an entire book of Hosea. It wasn't like 10, 7 verses or whatever it was. And she said to me, this is your strategy. <laughs> I've got to do the work. I've got to do it. It took me weeks and weeks and weeks. But God does that, doesn't he? And um, I was going to share some of that because I put a lot of work into it. But then God said, "Not." I've got it all written down. If anybody wants to read it and look at it, it's fairly long. Um, but please feel free to ask me. I'm really happy to send it to you. Um, but I believe God is calling us to pray for the church, for the church in Scarborough, for the town of Scarborough, for the nation, for the nations, and for Israel. And all of them are important. And actually all of them are equally important. You might not agree with that. I haven't really thought about that, but I believe there is an equal importance placed on them. It's a place for us, but it's a place for... It'd be great if this becomes a place where different people in the town. It's just amazing and wonderful to have Tracy here, who's from SCF. And just to be able to have a place that anybody can come and pray. Because we can't do this on our own. We can't do it on our own. There's not enough of us to do it on our own. Well, unless 20 people say to me, God's told me I need to pray 10 hours a week in the prayer room, then, you know, maybe we can. But it's not likely. So we can't do this on our own. But we can do it together. Mm -hmm. We can do it. No one of us can do it. But we can do this together. And we can do this with the body of Christ in Scarborough. And just for, um, at this point in time, this is where we're going to build something. Um, I don't want to talk really for much longer because I want to hear from people. Oh, I know. I'm just, do, we'll just share one thing, though. Some of you will have seen this and know, but some of you may not. Okay. Um, I wrote down quite a few purposes and things that God wanted us to pray, but, you know, they're neither here nor there in one sense. But there was just one. Um, at Days of Favour... Den really felt, felt God speaking to her through Ezekiel 47. If you go into the office next to our finance desk, you'll see a sort of picture on the wall. I didn't know who had done it at the time, but I saw it and I loved it. I was like, wow, God's spoken something there. I'm going to put it on my wall um, so we can see it. And then and Den shared a little bit more with me with what God had spoken to about it um, and about, about the river. But it kind of linked a little bit into something that I saw on the last day of Days of Favour this year. I went for a walk. And many of you will have seen this. I just haven't ever walked up these steps before. But when you walk up the steps at the spa, from the beach up to the, um, up to the spa, there's a plaque on the wall. Have people seen this plaque before? Have you seen this plaque on the wall? It was one of those weird moments where I know God showed it to me. I've never walked up those steps. And it says... Um, Scarborough owes its origins as Britain's first seaside resort to the discovery, you'll know this bit, in 1626 of strange-tasting waters percolating upwards from an underground reservoir. These spa waters contain the miracle ingredient of calcium sulphate and were to attract visitors from far and wide to sample its health-giving properties. Free water for Scarborough inhabitants and their families was granted in the early 19th century when a supply was established and became known as the spa townspeople which is why we have the spa 
the supply long ago became polluted and unfit for human consumption. And as I looked at it, I just stood there for ages, obviously took a photo, like, oh, God, that's what you're restoring to Scarborough. You're restoring the miracle ingredients that is going to make the water no longer unfit for consumption, that is going to remove the pollution, and that we're going to see those fresh waters flowing once again from the temple so that life can be generated, so that there is new life. And... Um, I love that. Maybe we could maybe we could do something with that, Kay. Um, but I believe that is one of the things that God is going to do in Scarborough. Lots of other things. Um, practically, let's do practical. So we've got some time just to share stuff. So practically, we're looking at doing behind behind the screen. Um, we've started looking at some practical bits and pieces but we wanted to leave other things until we'd met with a group of people today and to see what came out because it might be that somebody has this genius idea that we've not thought about and that might change some things so we've started to to get some things um and thanks guys um that's right thank you um so it's going to be in there we're going to start we want to start getting it kind of kitted out and ready as soon as possible but then all the practical things I've got stuff at the back of my head I'm sure Shona's got stuff at the back of her head we all, we've kind of got things but it, for me it's all sitting at the back of my head very deliberately because what I want is to hear what people think and say <coughs> and ideas and what you'd like to see happening practically as well as you know spiritually and then from there We'll take those ideas and start to put a framework and put something solid and put something that's got nuts and bolts to it, because I know I haven't really spoken about that. But that's because I'm not wanting to come and say, this is what we're doing. This is what I want to hear. So I'm going to stop talking, because otherwise I could keep talking and talking. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.